It's 12 and up, season 11, episode 7D, the Whatcha Into episode, with your host, Jonathan Malone, and guest host, Andrew Malone. 12 and Up is a podcast about Christian faith and culture in the modern age. Your host, Jonathan Malone, is the pastor of the First Baptist Church of East Greenwich, Rhode Island. Andrew Malone is a local musician and just all-around fun, decent guy in the Boston area, and the brother of Jonathan Malone. This podcast is brought to you by the Muzak Awareness Society, trying to warn people about the evils and insidious nature of Muzak. Just because it has a K doesn't mean it's good. Please, before you enter an elevator, go down an escalator, or go anywhere near department stores, bring earplugs, and be aware of the kind of music they're playing. Muzak, it is out to get you and your family. And we're back. I'm so glad that someone is out there trying to warn to the world against the evils um, and the woes of Muzak. Uh, I've been saying it for years that it's one of the um, highest threats to our society, to our nation, to us as a people. The oboe can be used in so much more better ways than just having it play the melody of a Beatles tune arranged to sound sappy and easy. Yeah. Hey, anyway, um, this is the What You Into episode. You made it through episode uh, 7, season 11, episode 7. Um, four hours. <laughs> if we, if I were to combine all four episodes, it's a four-hour episode. Uh, let me know if any of you wanted, uh, any of you just tried to listen to the whole thing through. Uh, that would have been amazing. Uh, but here I am joined with my brother, Andrew Malone. Uh, as I said, Andrew does a, has done recorded a lot of the music that I've played on this show. You just listened to some of it. Um, I've known Andrew for quite some time, just about all his life. And for a significant proportion of my own life, I've known Andrew. Um, he brings some, some good insight and such. And we're going to talk about the Van Morrison album, Moondance. Uh, it was a lot of fun talking to him. It was on a nice, rainy Saturday uh, morning. Uh, we were both drinking coffee in our separate homes. And, you know, I enjoy my brother. We, we, we got past all the bad stuff. Or we've buried it down and ignored it. Probably a little more of the second. But thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy uh, this conversation, this What You Into with Andrew Malone. What You Into! I'm here with Andrew Malone. This is a podcast, this is an episode that has been a long time coming. Now, many of you have uh, heard me mention Andrew from time to time. Every now and again, I like to give kudos to people who do the extra work for the podcast. And the music you heard at the very beginning of this episode, Andrew played that. And the music you're going to hear at the very end, Andrew played that. Now, the bump music for What You Into, Andrew didn't do that. That was Charlie <laughs> Eastman. <laughs> um, 
But Andrew's the one that does uh, just all that, that music that I've been using now for the intro and the outro. And I should also say that Andrew's, um, in full disclosure, he is a local musician in the Boston area, the greater Boston area. Have you played outside of Which West- does not include Rhode Island. No, no Rhode Island. <laughs> no, and thank you. Um, have you played past Worcester at all, or is that the edge of the area? Uh, I have played in Worcester. Yes. Okay, <laughs> in Worcester. Then uh, <laughs> you saw the frontier gates and said, "That's maybe, as far as maybe we... once." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Andrew is a keyboardist, um, a lutist, in the broadest <laughs> sense of the word. He plays the stringed luted instruments, right? Gut- Indeed. Guitar, ukulele. Yeah, mostly ukulele these days. Yeah, because it's easier. It's a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's be, I mean, but you're still better than a bass player because that's yeah, even well, easier. True. Let's yeah. Let's be honest, bass player. Um, but you've played with the Ultrasonic Rock Orchestra, the World's Greatest Sinners, and Jordan Valentine's and the Sunday Saints, as well as other little projects and groups in in the Boston area. Yeah. And and Andrew is also my brother. Mm. So yeah. <laughs> 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 there are there are some distinctions you can't get away from. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's 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 good to finally have you on the show. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and especially with this this what you into this has been a long time coming. I think we talked about it at least a year ago. Yeah, and and I downloaded the album. So and, tell me, so so you had not really heard this right as an album before. Right. So this. just full disclosure. I'm sure you've heard some of the songs. I have. I have. So we're going to be yeah. talking about, just in case people didn't read oh, the right, title. Right. Um, yeah, let's talk around it, but never mention it. <laughs> we're, we're doing Van Morrison's iconic 1970 album. See, I did a little research. Mm. Moon Dance, not Astral Weeks. And we're going to yeah, talk. So, I don't want to get yeah, into we'll that. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So this is right. My training is as a classical musician. I listen to real music, um, with, <laughs> or I should say, music with depth and gravitas, or music that involves the bassoon. Sometimes <laughs> they correspond. Sometimes there's overlap. Sometimes the, yes, in the, the Venn, Venn diagram. diagram. <laughs> it's a tiny, a tiny little spot. Um, uh, you know, and of course, I enjoy popular music, the music that the kids these days listen to. Uh, um, but anything in around 1970 that I would have listened to would have been like Steve Reich, Terry Riley, Philip Glass, <laughs> um, George Crumb is yet to write Black Angels, but will soon. You know, that's the kind of stuff I would be. Yeah. So, yeah, I've heard some of these songs. Do we call them songs? Is that what we tune? Yeah, 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 <laughs> <Okay>. indeed. <laughs> um, Movements. <laughs> Movements. <laughs> yeah, ditties. I, I don't know. What, I don't, what, do, you, what do you guys um, But no, this is I, – I have not listened to this entire album and I'm not I and I am not a fan of Van Morrison. I'm not against him. I'm just I've never been you know pulled to Van Morrison. So this was uh um you really pushed me out, <laughs> out of my out of my comfort zone. Um, and so for a year this this, this is not as difficult as Steve Reich. <laughs> to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. <laughs> it is not as difficult um as any of the minimalist composers um yeah, so I've had it's been on my phone for a year. I've been listening to it, enjoying it. Um, but you know, this is I think it came out. I, I asked you, what are your favorite albums? And this right. one, and the Flaming Lips album, which we won't talk about right now because maybe we'll get a second episode. Another time, yeah, yeah, yeah another time. But um, this is the one you you spoke of, 
And and you and you said with with fervor, with with a visceral rage, not astral weeks. <laughs> That's true. You wanna, did you did you check out astral weeks by no, any chance? No, because you were so okay. angry about it. I thought I better. The last thing I need to do is listen to astral weeks. I don't want to make yeah. my brother angry at me. Yeah. So, um, if you look at some like Rolling Stones top rock albums of all time. Rolling Stones is a periodical, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I want to make sure we're on the same page, not the band, but the periodical. Yeah. Um, you will likely find Astro Weeks either at number one or close. It tends to sort of for like top be... albums of all time. Yeah. Beating out Revolver. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It is definitely at the top of some lists. Okay. Um, and actually, you you may have enjoyed aspects of it better because it is much harder to get into. Okay. So Astro Weeks, I don't know the full I didn't I didn't go read the Wikipedia article. Um full disclosure. That's all right. Um, That's probably, that makes you more qualified. I did read the Moondance one. Hey, there we go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but basically the story goes like he'd been in Ireland, he came to New York City, he got these musicians together mm-hmm. and they recorded Astro Weeks and sort of, it was some jazz musicians right. and it's very um meandering hmm. it has a vibe for sure okay uh, but it's sort of this like folk jazzy thing um but it's very unfocused and it's all about vibe and hmm. for some reason it never like hooked me okay right um so even though that you know is at the top of many lists and, and right. in contrast one of the things that I love about Moondance right. uh, is in general, it's very focused. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. The, these are these are like tight little soul pop songs. Soul pop is the genre we're going to use to describe it. I, I don't know. It's uh, yeah. Just, let's go with like, that. Let's in call today's it terms, pop. it's not pop music anymore. It's uh, <laughs> no, no, um, no. There's. There's no auto tune you know, involved, so it can't be pop music right. today. But definitely, it came from this sort of soulful R and B right uh, direction. Um, yeah, yeah, like the the um, when I was sort of making some notes, I was I listened to this again yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a few of the things that always jump out at me about this is the the it has a looseness and a craft at the same time. Hmm. So it definitely, to me, feels like, oh, just an unfortunate. Well, it's mostly a bunch of dudes. So sorry about that. Yeah, uh, we're getting but like, better. Mostly a bunch of there's there's some background singers, but um, mostly a bunch of dudes like hanging out, playing some songs. But it's like very well considered. Yeah. Um, very carefully arranged. Um. Would production be a word that you would use to talk describe as well a well produced oh, yeah. album? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I was listening to the one where he keeps mentioning and the fog foghorn blows. Oh, that's in um, uh, into the mystic maybe. Oh, okay. Wow, is that far into? That's it. one of my favorites. Yeah. So that 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 one. You know that you know they have the clever what, mentioning the foghorn blows, and then you have the sound that a nice tight chord playing right afterwards. It's supposed to emulate a foghorn. I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it's just someone just keeps like 
doing a fart on the sound stage and you're like come on <laughs> grow up um no so i mean that's good but beyond that that actually you know in that whole song that is the least clever or for me the least impressive part of that song mm-hmm. i think the whole horn section and when it comes in when they play um how they play is really so i hear oh, that yeah. as production yeah. Like he, absolutely yeah my thinking is probably with the with the whole process of writing you write the song you figure out the the melody the main melody you figure out the lyrics and stuff and then you say right now if i were to add horn parts they would be here background singers would be here that kind of thing like yeah being deliberate about it right and i and yeah and it looked like he did all the production himself on uh, this one pretty much yeah yeah so astro weeks i now i feel like i should have listened to it is it similar to um to Miles Davis's "On the Corner" or "Bitches Brew," um, you know, it, it. I guess it does have some things in common with "Bitches Brew." I mean, that style um, of like just a long, you get a groove down, and people kind of are going. Now, I'm not. No way am I diminishing "Bitches Brew" because I just don't want to deal with pretentious jazz players right now. <laughs> I just. I'll tell you. Yeah. As many times as I've tried, I don't think I've ever made it through the whole album. <laughs> <laughs> I have. I actually. I enjoy but it, it. No, there but, is a similarity. It's like it, it has a vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it's, it def- it's not going anywhere fast. Right. And maybe not going anywhere. <laughs> right. Uh, right. <laughs> so, so I, but I, I mean, that helps me put in contrast. Uh, yeah, it's like compare that. Um, and I don't want it to seem like I know more about jazz than I do. Um, but. You know, compare something like that to one of my favorite jazz albums of all time, which is favorite Sonny things. Rollins. Oh, no. Sorry, no. Oh. Sonny Rollins' Saxophone Colossus. Oh, that's a great album. Right. See? Oh, and yeah. it's like, again, like, you know, he solos the crap out of stuff, but like right. focused. Very, so much more focused. Right. Ex- um, except for that first cut, which John Coltrane jo- joins him on, and, um, and they just go. But still yeah. focused. Yeah, it's songs. Yeah. They're songs. Yeah. And any of the right. earlier Miles Davis stuff with the different quartets, right. you know, working with the Miles Davis quartet, relaxing, those are focused. You have songs. Right. And, and so that, that contrast helps me. That, that, does, that gives me that sense of, of the, the difference between Moondance and Astral Weeks. Um, so what is it about just these tight um, little songs that speaks to you? So... The first thing when I, I I was writing some notes as I listened to this yesterday, and mm-hmm. the very first thing I wrote down and like what the opening track really encapsulates right from the beginning is warmth. Like all right, this, let's 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 listen to the opening track just a little bit. Yeah, we'll start talking. Bit. Yeah, all right. Half a mile from the county fair, and the rain came pouring down. Me and Billy standing there. With a silver half a crown Hands are full of a fishing rod And the tackle Alright, so as it, we'll, we'll keep it playing in the background uh, while, we, while we talk here So what is it about that, that warmth, that opening track? Yeah, it just um, It's a combination of The instrumentation and the feel But it like, it just immediately Hits me as, and draws me in mm. Um you know, just the sound of it, the way I think it's I mean, I love the way he sings, but to me, it's more about the instrumentation and the arrangement. And right. so, you know, I am a sucker for that 70s singer songwriter vibe. So 
um, it's yeah, you know, not dissimilar from uh, like Carol King or mm-hmm. you know stuff in in that vein where it's like there is this sort of organic warmth. Hmm. Um, the melodies are different than they are today. Well, I feel there like there are melodies. Well, oh, ouch! <laughs> <laughs> How dare you, sir? How do, call me maybe has an excellent. <laughs> yes, it does. Um, no. um, but I mean, there there is a more of a complexity to the melody. There are still jumps and and um, and leaps as well as still you know you stay around one note but not so tight. You you know you'll start right. high, you'll go low, you you move around a little bit. Right. He. Um... His singing is so warm, and he's not, you know, uh, he doesn't do these crazy runs like the soul singers do today, but um, mm-hmm. he does do some crazy vocal stuff, like, all over the album. Right, right. Um, so, but, but that, that warmth is something that really speaks to you, that, because I don't hear... Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's interesting, and the other thing I noticed, like, some of these songs on this album, like, I don't even know... Like, I've listened to this, I don't know, easily more than 100 times. Right. Um, I don't even know what all these songs are about. Like, the, the, the lyrics aren't necessarily what always connects with me, although some of them they do. Like, but there right. are, there's some evocative phrases. Um, they're mostly not story songs. Um, right. Let me ask, when you listen to a song, what's the, do you hear the lyrics first or the music first or the melody first? Uh, music. Melody, yeah, sure. same same oh, yeah. with me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know other people; they hear the words first, and that's what catches them. And and that's fine. I don't think yeah. there's a better or worse. It's just a difference in in what we listen for. Right. So so it's just the melodies probably speak to you more, and, and then maybe the words start to. Yeah, it's the the melodies, the harmonies, the instrumentation, the arrangements, um, and even on that first track, um, you know, the way the horns come in and mm-hmm. are arranged, it's just like it it builds in such a nice way yeah um in general like you know the the horns on this record are just great yeah they're really subtle yeah um, and i think everything if i were to paint this i would paint it with not pastels but close um and i think so i was i was you know i was listening to anything like what context does this fit for mm. and for me uh like a Sunday afternoon, a rainy Sunday afternoon at a coffee shop. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally, right? Yeah, you go in there and you hear Moondance, an album playing, and you think like, yeah, I'm going to be here for a couple hours and it's going to be good. Like that kind of... Um, I have a, I have a, uh, I have a playlist and it's called Surrey Music, right? <laughs> and, and there yeah. are certain songs that I think really... I, I, that I want to listen to while, while I'm working on a sermon. None of these songs are on that playlist. <laughs> None of them. So this is an aside, but when you're doing that, do you need music that doesn't have lyrics or it doesn't matter? It doesn't matter. Although a number of them are in Spanish, which is even better. Mm. <laughs> then I don't know. But yeah, for the most part, the, the lyrics for the most part don't matter. There are some songs that if the lyrics are so prominent and really grab you, then okay. But yeah, it's mostly for me. I'm looking for a melody that I'm looking for a drive, for a push, um, for a certain um, pulse, a certain rhythm, and minor keys are always really good too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is 
you know, something that's not comfortable that'll keep me on the edge of my seat, that'll keep me focused, keep me writing. Um, this is not it at all. This is like I'm this gonna. This is like a warm sweater. It is like a warm <laughs> sweater. Yeah, yeah, and um, and so I needed to work a little harder to appreciate it. Mm. Uh, and and that's so I don't want to. I'm not belittling the the music at all, but it was just it's not the place I go to. I, um, yeah, it didn't it didn't hook me in the same way but i think we're looking for different things yeah yeah and this i don't even remember the first time i heard this but um you know it's so much in the vein of the kind of music that i aspire to make sort of that the feel Mm. um you know that earthy organic right you know just like people playing instruments feel which is interesting because i experiment a lot with sort of more um electronic composed things also but um right you know right. I, I have always i've never been in a band that sounds like this and i've always wanted to and that's what you want oh yeah so folks if you know if you also want to be in a band that sounds like <laughs> this yeah. um please connect with andrew and let him know where you are what you're willing to do he's happy to uh to record via Skype, um, he said that sure. he, yeah. <laughs> he, he doesn't have to have that immediate, you know, whatever whatever it takes. Andrew's willing to quit his job, to leave his family, to go anywhere in the world to start this band in a second. Yeah, <laughs> um, if you pass through the rigorous audition um, procedure that he has set up, <laughs> it's not easy. Uh, <laughs> one of the challenges with this music, um, so it would yeah. It's perfect for a coffee shop, especially on a rainy, rainy Sunday afternoon, right? Um, it's right on the edge of being perfect for a department store. Yeah. Do they still yeah. have department stores? Sure they do. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's well, not there yet, but it's really close. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I do. You know, it's interesting. And even one of the um, things I wrote down as I was listening to it and the, the title track, Moon Dance, which is – arguably the most famous song on the album right why don't we, why don't we listen um, to a little bit right now well it's a marvelous night for a moon dance with the stars up above in your eyes a fantabulous night to make romance need the cover of October skies you know the leaves on the trees are falling to the sound of the breezes that blow. You know I'm trying to please to the calling of your heartstrings that play soft and low. You know the night's magic seems to whisper and hush. You know the soft moonlight seems to shine in your blush. Okay, we'll we'll let it keep playing while we talk. You know, it's so it itself has become a cliche. Um, yeah. You know, this sort of jazz rock. Um, right. For people that thing. really, yeah, the yeah, people and, that and can't this, take jazz seriously enough to really play the hard bop jazz, and the people who don't really want to go hard with rock into the theatrical. This is a safe place to go that'll make your parents happy. 
Right, and it's like very much <laughs> like this song especially is easy to veer into like lounge act territory. Yeah, yeah. Um, is it in the fake book? Uh, I don't think it is, but um, it I don't be. think so. Um, you know, and I think a lot of music from a lot of a lot of like classic rock becomes that because it be, you know it didn't start that way, but it becomes so familiar. Right. Um, but if like, you can get like, past uh, that, like like I've got big balls. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that has become so cliche now that yeah, just about every wedding reception I go to, I know you can't get away from it. And the dance that goes with it, you can't. <laughs> and there is Grandma on the dance floor <laughs> with her big balls. <laughs> Such a great image. Okay, so. <laughs> But yeah, so I mean that's, um, I mean in the classical world that's something that we're plagued with. Um, oh yeah, I mean I've been working on the the second movement to Beethoven's Pathetique. Yeah. Um, which is is similar. It's like such a familiar. Right. Um, Heaven forbid. Good thing you're not doing the Moonlight Sonata. Right, that's but even, even more that, cliche. it's like it's gorgeous it is good stuff you know so when you can take it on its own terms right and get past that context which is hard um and moon dance even this song which is be, you know it's at the danger it's when we listen to it on its own or you know separate it take it out of the overplayed context it has this brilliance to it yeah yeah oh very much yeah um and actually it has a it has a pretty nice sax solo in it it does, and you know what? That, that was one of the things I also appreciated. It, it wasn't the rock and roll sax. Oh you yeah, know, it, it, you know it's still early. It may, it may be that it's early enough that we're not getting into that realm. But it's not yeah. a cheesy sax sound. Well, right, and that's that's the other thing I think that endures about this music is there's the warmth to it, but there's a there's a it's a tastefulness. Um, yeah, where it's like the level of taste is is very much in line with kind of what I like and enjoy, and that's what I mean when I say it's like crafted. It's like right. the, they've made the, they've made choices. Now, twenty years ago, were you a fan of this album? Probably yes. Can you remember back to that time? I remember, um, I know it was a that was your real rash of blackout drunk experiences. <laughs> <laughs> It's not true, Mom. <laughs> you wouldn't know. <laughs> well, oh, no. I, I, uh, you're right. How would I? How would, how would you know? How would I know? <laughs> um, no. So in, in uh, you know, 20 years ago when you were younger and rasher and still like angry with the world did not yet. Um, were you married 20 years ago? Just no. barely? No, not even married yet. No kids. You didn't have to worry about jobs were you selling cut coat yeah. knives working in coffee shops yeah trying to get sense of who you were this album still spoke to you uh yeah i, I and i don't know this for sure mm -hmm. but it's very possible that the, like so sometimes when i did work in the coffee shop i would bring in cds to to put on yeah and this is very likely one of the ones that i would have brought in nice uh, do you want to give a shout out to that coffee shop that you worked at? Do you remember the name of it? Uh, yeah, Donna's in, in Baltimore, Maryland. Donna's in Baltimore. I'm sure yeah. they're still around. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> Folks, go to Donna's in Baltimore for a good cup of coffee or a cup yeah. of tea at any time of day between 9 in the morning and 7 at night. Donna's in Baltimore. They'll treat yeah. you right. Go ahead. Maybe. <laughs> Donna was a, was a mean old Italian lady. Um. <laughs> you know what? Don't go to Donna's. Forget them. Go to Starbucks. Go to Starbucks. <laughs> you know what you're going to get. Well, it's... they may have been acquired by now. I don't know. Yeah. I've, anyway. I've back on my... the, yeah, but okay. You would have brought this. This is one of the albums you would have brought in. Yeah. So when I, you know, definitely... <laughs> I was either into this or getting into this when I, you know, when I was like 20, 21 years old. Um, mm. Well, I was, and I was wondering that because it's, you know, as I'm aging, I am finding my taste in music changing a little bit. Um, I still like some of the heavier stuff, but, you know, I'm getting older and more cautious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and some might say this is an album that really would speak to an older crowd. But I like that it could, I guess. It's hard to know if if that's because it's now an old album. Hmm. Um, it's older than the both of us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what's what's behind that, and I'd be curious to know if there's any space for like kids today to get into music like this let's uh, let's take a moment to do a kids today rant if we <laughs> <could>. <laughs> i haven't done one in a while and i think it's time kids right. today with their pop music and their heavy synth and auto-tuned and drum machine that's not fair although to be fair yeah that's not fair at all and i'll, to... I'll say something nice about your children um my children specifically <laughs> <laughs> wow good well i was impressed that you were what now 15 year old son yeah 14 15 15, yeah is super into the beatles yeah he is and when although when paul mccartney's most recent album came out he was like listening to it like crazy yeah so it's like i find that encouraging although he does seem to be more into the psychedelic john stuff than the paul stuff so uh, that's that's a knock against him yeah Um, he's also into the rap artist kendrick lamar well see who's really good yeah so maybe he's just in the good music um yeah yeah i will say but so yeah that i do sorry, just another plug i do um Im- impose upon my children the austin 100 every year um and they have totally taken into it um and for those who don't know every year npr all songs considered they they put for free usually during the month of march 100 songs of bands that are going to be playing at the austin south by southwest you have a good eclectic mix, all new music, uh, and that's how I stay hip. I listen to indie <laughs> underground stuff. The only way. If the only. I mean, that's, I, you know, everything else just isn't worth my time and energy. But let's just be honest. So, so maybe, but maybe there is something to be said for good songwriting. Like a good melody is a good melody is a good melody. Right, right. You know, Beethoven's Fifth, even as, as cliche as it is, every time I play it, I get, I get goosebumps. It's yeah. still a really good symphony. Right. Right. He got that one uh, right. I don't know what the <laughs> other <laughs> The others eight, uh, you know, who knows? <laughs> uh, well, there is I mean, my favorite is still the 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 middle movement of the seventh. Oh yeah. That's that's yeah. that continues I remember to be my I, favorite. You know, some 
to draw some parallels. It's mm. like there's not all of Moondance, but there are certain things. Um, like certainly the the opening track, which isn't even my favorite track, but it's like, you know, definitely things that the very first time I heard them, hmm. you know, it hit me. Hmm. And and there's that feeling, you know, you hear you hear some things and, yeah. and it takes a while to kind of enter into it. Right. This for me was like immediate, like, ooh, I like this. And like the the, the parallels, like Beethoven, that second movement of Beethoven seventh. Yeah. You're like, okay. um, same thing. It's like immediately it's like, oh. Yeah, you know yeah. what? Maybe I'll play let, let's listen to a little bit yeah, of that. Yeah, play a little right of now. that. Yeah, here we go. So yeah, and, and my uh, so that's just the Pascalia bass, and then when we get to the woodwind section, but we're not gonna listen to the whole movement because we don't have time. <laughs> and it's not about Beethoven. For once, Beethoven, it's not about you. It's about a different van. It's about uh, Van Morrison. Uh, <laughs> you see what I did there? That was good, right? Yeah. Just, yeah. just give me validation. Mom always gave you Very the good. validation. I need oh, some. Oh right. <laughs> <laughs> she always loved you better. We know that's that. A- that's a different episode, John. That is a totally <laughs> different episode, but let's put, I'm going to write that down. For, yeah. for, um, <laughs> uh, how often do you go back to this album? Um, I would say not, you know, maybe, maybe once a month or so. That's um, pretty high in the rotation, I would think. You know, I mean, definitely. You have a lot of music to pick from. Yeah. You know, definitely. You're right. Um, it's like a it's a Sunday album, like yeah. with a certain feel, and you know, definitely if it's Sunday, it's like I might feel like, ooh, I want some Van Morrison. There's only like two or three albums that I kind of rotate through of his, mm. um, and this one is kind of pretty likely to to be up there. So this one, yeah, this um, it's that's pretty high in the rotation, I would say. Yeah, it's something that you know I definitely. Um, come back to because it's like it's just you know it's like putting on a nice flannel shirt yeah um, yeah it's comfortable right you feel safe uh, right so you know what's interesting too though the, the other note I made is it's definitely um, it's a little weird to 
discuss this as sort of one of the best albums hmm. because as an album to me it very distinctively distinctively is an album of two halves so the the first right. side and i'll just list off these songs yep uh right and it stoned me oh, wait, we'll dance. go back and forth you say the first one i'll say the next one all right and it stoned me moon dance crazy love caravan and into the mystic that's side a right which before right. we go any further that track for Caravan is very deceptive because when I saw it, I thought of the jazz classic, the jazz oh, standard yeah. Caravan. I'm like, oh, no kidding. And I'm like, they listened to it. And it's very different. Oh, yeah. It's not, yeah. You're not even um, close. Okay. But then on also side a great two. song. And one, well, I'll get back to that in a minute. Okay. But so side A, right? To me, it is. It's just perfect, right? Mm. Every song is amazing. And, um, you know, if that was the whole thing, that was like the EP, mm-hmm. it would be way up there. Yeah. Side B is just good. And that's... It's like it distinctly gets weaker. Okay, and that's Come Running, um, These Dreams of You, Brand New yeah. Day, Everyone, Glad Tidings. Both Andrew yeah. and I are looking at the same Wikipedia page, even though yeah. we're in different towns right now. <laughs> This is the the magic of the interwebs. We can right. look at the same page um, at the same time. Right. I don't know if you experienced that, you know, when you were listening to it, but it definitely yeah. tails off. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't. Yeah, they um, they don't stay in my mind as well. Although I think for me, the tenor of the album or the tone of the album, let's go with tone. Uh, yeah. The tone of the album um, was fairly consistent all the way through. Oh, it is. And some albums don't do that. Some albums start strong and then get weird or bad um, or just change completely like what they're doing. Like like Adam Hart Mother, mm-hmm. right? One of my favorite Pink Floyd albums, only for the first track. Mm-hmm. The rest of the album, I really could do without. And, and I apologize to all you. I'm not. No, you know what? No, I'm not going to apologize to any of you Pink Floyd fans, <laughs> fans out there. First of all, if you're saying, what about Dark Side of the Moon? You need to grow up. <laughs> and if you don't even know that, and you're like, well, what about the wall? All right, I, I please stop listening to this podcast. Um, <laughs> there are many good albums out there, but in that Adam Hart Mother, such a great song, and it's so specific in, in the way it's written and um, presented and everything. And after I hear that song, I'm, I'm I'm chomping at the bit for something else in that same vein, that same tenor, the same tone, and you get. Whatever, Alan Psychedelic Breakfast or something. I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. It's just, and it's so different. I'm like, uh. So on my phone, I took off the rest of the songs and just kept on the main track. Yeah. But this album, Moon Dance, is consistent. It definitely is. Um, yeah, but there's something to me, the first half is magic. Mm. Um, and like I said, the second half is just, it's just good. It's nice. Right. Um,. Although I will say every time I think it's in forget if it's brand new day or or everyone the with the harpsichord that opens it um, I'm never that into that one. Okay. Like when the harp chord opens, I'm like, ah, eh, all right. So uh, that's that's the weakest for me, I think. But um, would you say that the song sounds kind of broke with the harpsichord? <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> he 
broke the album with the harpsichord. Yeah, yeah. Can I? <laughs> All right, I'll let it go. I'm not going to explain that joke. If you don't know that joke, if you didn't get it, you probably <laughs> also think The Wall is the best album that Pink Floyd ever um, did. And again, please stop listening to my podcast. <laughs> It's good to be snobs, right? It's, oh yeah. This is, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I I will say um, for anyone that's listening to this that that is in you know has enjoyed this album, hmm. um, it's definitely worth your time. So especially the song "Caravan," yeah, uh, which is not like the jazz standard. No, no, no. Um, in fact, I'm going to put it on right now. We keep talking. I'm just going to have it played. Well, yeah. Let's listen to it in the background while we talk. So it's definitely worth seeking out um, the video of Van Morrison doing that song uh, with the band hmm. in in the movie The Last Waltz. Um, okay. What, so the movie The Last Waltz, I'm going to just show my ignorance here. Yeah. Is What is that about? It's about the band <laughs> oh the band the band yeah the band the band okay and it's their last concert ah okay uh, why is uh, Van Morrison doing something with them so what they do is this um, is you were totally finding my ignorance now no this. that's fine yeah. so the band started as um a backing band, right? I remember. And they I played with this. all sorts of people. They yeah. were Bob Dylan's backing band for a while. That you know. That's right. And they did the recordings in what, like the Pink House or the Purple House, yeah, or something. yeah, the yeah. basement tapes. Yeah, that's it. So, and that just was re-released. Um, I heard that. Okay. So, what they did for this final concert is they invited all these super famous people to come oh. and play with them. And so, in the movie or on the album, it's like. You know, they do their songs, mm -hmm. and then between them, it's like Neil Young comes out and sings a song with them. Bob Dylan comes and sings a song with them. Uh, Dr. John comes and sings a song oh, with them. Oh, okay. You know? And so, and Van Morrison is one of them. Oh, um, and they do Caravan. You know, Emmylou Harris. Like, there's tons of uh, amazing people. Yeah, so one of those is the Van Morrison songs they do is Caravan, and it's amazing. It's great to hear, but it's like if you can um, – I don't know if the video is on YouTube, but um, – I'm sure it is. If not, then something's wrong with the world. You know, they've got a full horn section. Mm. Van is, like, really drunk. Um, okay. <laughs> and it's, like, it's just, it's hard to describe, but it's it's a really great, it's a great version of that song. It's, like, it makes me happy every time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, if I can find the link to that, I'll put it on the, the show notes so people can go look it up as well because i mean if it makes andrew happy it should make everyone happy yeah it's hard to describe how how um you know van is doing these he does these high leg kicks and it's like he's clearly getting really excited about what's happening uh, <laughs> that's fantastic uh, yeah that's great well that i, I mean that kind of gets at you know one of the bigger questions that i have not not with this album specifically but with the idea of art music that kind of thing um is what makes something good, right? And you know, and what is it that speaks to people in different ways? Uh, because I think you know, we started with saying this is not Astral Weeks, and here's why, and here's why they're so different, and here's why mm -hmm. Andrew hates Astral Weeks. <laughs> I don't hate it; it's just not my favorite. <laughs> it, you know, what? I never want to put it on and listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> 
but I don't hate it. You don't hate it, right? Right. Do you allow your children to listen to it? Uh, I mean, I would if they wanted to. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I know what to get one of your kids for birth for their mm. birthdays. Oh, they'd be so excited. <laughs> <laughs> First, should I give them an LP or a CD? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you have a record player? No, not anymore. Oh, so I have to give them a CD. Do you have a CD player? Uh, Sort of. I can't get them a sound file. <laughs> All right, I'm going to have to buy your children iPods. Yeah, with that single song. Single song. <laughs> with that single song. You must. This is the only song you may put on this iPod. Anyway, um, so that, I mean, it's a very different kind of album. Right. And and right. it speaks to different people in different ways. Um, we think of like popular music today and we and we talk deri- derisively about it. But, you know, there's still there are some there's some great stuff being written. There's some great albums being put out there. There's great music happening still. That's that goes without saying. But the most, you know, the top 40 chart charting stuff is very different than than Moondance. The way the melodies are written, the, the production, all of that. Mm-hmm. There's a difference to it. Um, and it doesn't. I'm assuming it doesn't speak to you. Mostly, no. Yeah. So, what is it about something that was produced that was released in 1970 um, that speaks to people? You know, and, and well, part of the thing that I was drawn to is this idea of like this tight perfection, especially in the first half of the album. Yeah. Like really not working on being. The songs aren't showy. Like even the solos, they aren't showy. That was, you know, nothing. Yeah. There's nothing that that's demanding attention. In in that album, it's more saying we want to invite you into a palette of sound. Uh, we want to give you an experience. Um, I know there's something about that that it may seem safe on the surface, but that kind of stuff is really hard to do well. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean. Yeah, it's hard to know what it is about different kinds of art that will or won't endure and which things right. are good for their time. Right, and which will endure. But won't reach beyond their time. Yeah. And it's like, I, you know, for me, this reaches sort of beyond its time. But I think it will. Be, partly because I'm outside of its time. But, right. Um, I mean, if it speaks to you, then that's good enough. You know, I, um, as we've talked about, it's like I've been practicing classical piano more Mm. again and one of the amazing things and one of the things i love about doing that is um that kind of bridge across time right um and that sense of um you know people that were communicating something through these ideas that still carries on even though this is also sort of an, an aside, but it's like I've been I've been playing some Bach again, mm-hmm. and um, he's okay. Yeah, <laughs> but part of what I don't understand about these people, you know, I'm playing. I have the the well tempered clavier mm-hmm. and like playing some of the preludes, and I get the sense like I, I always wonder like how much did he labor over these, or does does he just kind of fart these things out? I think that's like, great. Like they don't that's they mean nothing going. to him. First of all, I want to point out gem. Yeah, so I want people to note that each of us have used the word fart now in this podcast. <laughs> so it's <laughs> equal flatulence um, and sharing. I mean, here. isn't that what Bach did? He just he just farted up music yeah. every time. He farted in counterpoint. It was kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I think like one of the biggest, uh, not to leave Bach, but even Mozart. So the mo- movie Amadeus, which is a great mm-hmm. movie, I really enjoy it. I'm sure the music, I'm sure the play is fine too. But how could it be better than <laughs> the movie? Um, but they have this scene where he's on the billiard table and just you know kind of playing billiards and kind of just writing out this um, music really quickly and not thinking about it, and it gives this impression that Mozart just wrote it out and it came out perfect, which is completely false. Yeah. Right. And I think the same is with Bach and with all these people Like they labored over this stuff uh, and, and labored in the minutest detail. Um, you know, people write dissertations on just like two or three measures of Bach stuff um, stuff. I like how I refer to it as yeah. a stuff, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff, It's the stuff that Bach wrote, um, because it, everything is so precise and, and is done with such deliberateness. And my impression right. um, and, you know, and that's, you know, Mozart as well. You know. And my impression about Moondance is that Van Morrison didn't just write this out really quickly, but was very careful with each song and that he did all the productions gives me this sense that he wanted, he, he had a certain image in mind of what he wanted the sound to be, what he wanted the album to be and was one and had brought precision to his craft. Right, right. And to go back to what you were saying, you know, when you think about what endures and what connects with people, like Bach and Mozart are good examples for me because both geniuses. Yeah. Um, Mozart, for the most part, doesn't connect with me. Yeah. In the same way. Um, you know, some of it does, sure, but. Um, He's, you Mozart, know, it took me a while. It, it still you know, takes at, me a while. Yeah. At, at Bach, however, again, there's so much of it, it's hard yeah. to. You know, but there's just something about the harmonies and the counterpoint right. and, and, and how he plays rhythm against each other. And, and it, yeah, it it's, just um, it's brilliant. Yeah. When I, when I practice, uh, I do. I play the I do play the cello suites. Cellist back off. You'll be <laughs> fine. Um, but part of the reason I do that is because I to be able to play something written by a master. I mean, not many people have the great ones haven't written a lot of stuff for bassoon. It just and and it's probably because that instrument they looked at and they said, I don't even dare try. <laughs> I'll stick with the piano. It's easier. Yeah. That's probably I assume that's what they were yeah. thinking. But yeah, um, it's the curse of playing the superior instrument. It's just <laughs> but to be, to be able to play the cello suites for me, it's like walking into a cathedral and just being in a place of brilliance. Uh, I, and just I, I think Mozart is, is actually a very good correlation for Van Morrison for this album, Moondance. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it took me a long time to really understand what it was that's so great about Mozart. And what really helped me was to listen to other composers who were contemporaries of Mozart. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so people who are writing in the same style at that time. And and you hear like that style is a really hard style to write in because there's no place to hide. The counterpoint isn't as thick. Um, the melodies are, are it's just mostly all melody with a very simple bass. The harmonies aren't really pushing. And I know there's musicologists out there that are listening. I know I've got a whole groupie of musicologists <laughs> that listen, um, who are just all, all three of them, all three of them writing angry emails <laughs> right now. Dear sir or madam, how dare you? OK, whatever. Um, you know, and if the melodies aren't perfect, it's just not great. It's not bad, but it's not right. great. Mozart got everything perfect. 
the symmetry is perfect, the melodies are perfect, the harmonies are perfect, everything. And, and it makes him, in my mind, one of the most difficult composers to play. Not because technically he's the hardest, but because you have to get everything right and you have to get every um, inflection, every dynamic, everything right. And it has to all be there. Otherwise, it's going to sound flat. It's going to sound boring, right? Right. So, and, and, but then when you get everything right and everything hits, it's just comforting. It feels good. It doesn't, I mean, aside from like the Requiem or Don Giovanni and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, for yeah. the most part, you're like, oh, that's nice. And, right. I and think, to me, yeah, yeah I was going to say that's the, the way you're describing it. Like that, that's almost the difference between the first and second half of this album. I was just going to go right there. Uh, it's like we grew up in the same household or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, although I was never let out of the basement. Andrew always got to sit at the dinner table. <laughs> <laughs> I had to eat in the basement with Beth. Mm. <laughs> oh, sorry, she's, she's still there, you know. She is still there. I know. <laughs> it's kind of. I try not to think about it. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think that's. I mean, that makes a good di- distinction. And and this isn't to say Van Morrison is not brilliant. I think he is. Um, in in listening to the songwriting, everything, it's it's definitely brilliant. I don't know genius level. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not willing to. Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't know that I'd say that either. And you know, I it's it's interesting because I don't think I would even rank him in my top five songwriters hmm. who's in your uh, top who's who are some of them in your top five songwriters oh it always varies but you know right ne- right at the top uh well probably paul mccartney is number one for me um mm-hmm. but uh Joni mitchell paul simon um and cole porter uh sure um <laughs> <laughs> no um <laughs> Oh, not the same kind of songwriters, I guess. For no, although you know he's he's good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um maybe Carol King. Yeah, just because I there's some anyway. Um, that the top of that list always rotates. Um, mm. and each of them brings something different that right. just like really. I, oh, Bob Dylan would be up there. He's he's. He's all right. Um, Nobel you know, laureate. Yeah, yeah. Bob Dylan. But, you know, it's like the difference between, um, you know, there are people who are among my favorite artists, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't rank them as songwriters. So, like, Dr. John is a good example. Yeah, like, yeah. I love Dr. John. But, like, right. songwriting, it's not really about the songwriting. Right. Um, but, you know, and these, like, the songs are good. Right. But they... <sighs> That's not what what does it for me. So let me say how much I appreciate that Billy Joel is not in your list of top five songwriters. Uh, yeah, I, I won't even, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, again, that's probably also a different podcast. Yeah, uh, right. Billy Joel and Elton John are not in my top 50, maybe, of wow. songwriters or artists. I'm just, um, not in, just, just not into them. AndrewMalone.com is his website, and that's where you can send your <laughs> send emails. Send me an email. Yeah. Yeah, send him an email to AndrewMalone.com. And... Yep, I will. So, so if I want to be controversial, Elton John's better. Um, I, he is definitely. a better songwriter. There's just a little uh, more complexity. Uh, he's definitely a better piano player. Ooh. Uh, there's a few Billy Joel gems that I do truly in, enjoy, but, um, yeah. you, you know, like Piano Man. The guy could write a hook. 
No, not Piano Man. Don't. Not, don't. <laughs> please. Yeah. Let's move beyond Piano Man. Um, so, yeah. Anyway. So this album, uh, so it's that first half of that album is where we really do see this connection of just getting that the getting it just right. Now, um, I'm starting to move towards. Uh, I want to offer something theological in here, and I will in a moment. Yeah. But do you want to? Did you want to speak anything about the lyrics at all? I mean, neither of us really care about lyrics. Um. Nothing jumped yeah, out at me in reading. Nothing them. jumps out at me. I mean, the, the, like I said, there's some certain turns of phrase that are that are nice. Um, but yeah, that's it's the combination of the lyrics and the feel. And it's like yeah. when you just say the lyrics, even the opening songs, like, and it stoned me to my soul, stoned me just like Jelly Roll. It's like that's kind of dumb. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But like you feel what he's talking about yeah. and you're like, yeah, like this, it really, it really knocked you out, man. You know, it's like, um, right. So he's not a lyricist. So yeah, I mean, and it may, to be fair, neither of us really go to lyrics first. That's not our thing. Right. So but, there may be know, more that we're just not getting out of it. You know, I don't, none of them are, um, kind of embarrassing or I think detract from what's right. Which happening. Is good. Certainly like they're all good. Yeah songs um competent um yeah. you know it's like one so so when you're thinking theologically when when we were just talking earlier about like what is it about kinds of art that endures and so take a take music like this that uh i can't do the math in my head it's like over 50 years old now almost um, yeah 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 um you know, how is it that things that were written 2000 years ago right. continue to draw people in and connect with them right. emotionally? So the Easter story, every Easter, I, I and, you know, thousands of clergy across the country lament about trying to write a sermon <laughs> about the story that everyone knows and they've all heard it. Um, and that's supposed to make it fresh. And usually I end up saying, to myself anyways, just tell the story. Yeah. Right? So it, and it, it's become a cliche in many ways. Um, you know, Joseph Campbell may say that it's just, you know, digging into its own, a different cliche of the hero overcoming that kind of thing. I say, Campbell, why don't you come to Jesus and be saved? Um <laughs> No, I don't, I don't know what Joseph Campbell's story is. I don't care. Um, I do care, but not enough to reach out to him. I don't even know if he's alive. Is Joseph Campbell alive? I have. I don't know. All right. Anyway, um, it's a cliche story. And yet every Easter, for the most part, I tell the story. And it's a good story. You know, it it just hits it all right. And if I get too crazy with it, if I get, try to get too tricky with it, which I've done in the past – it's not a sermon that does well. Just tell the story, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's part of it. I think also it just, you know, so there's something about the classics of the, of the Christian story that continue. Um, also, I just I made me think about worship and music. Um, there's always this push to say we should be doing new music, music that's exciting, music that grabs people in different ways, um, praise music. Um, which tends to be pretty vapid, mm -hmm. um, which feels very safe. Um, and 
you know, there are some out there that are that are good. There's some good tunes that are written, but it's not usually about the tune or if it is the songwriting. It's just that might be its own podcast. Maybe we should do that sometime and yeah, do a deep analysis of praise music <laughs> and this, as, as a songwriting craft. Um, uh, but, you know, the older hymns, the ones that have maintained, there's something about them. So, you know, I was... You know, so for folks that know Andrew and I, and and sometimes our older brother and and uh, some of our kids, we've been backpacking now once a year, and to the Adirondack Mountains. And and Andrew, what Andrew does, what he brings, the gift he brings, is he brings the <laughs> ukulele. He's useless otherwise, but well, he yeah. brings. <laughs> no, that's not true. He brings his ukulele and plays at night, and it's really nice. And this year, we managed to put together some song, some song lyrics. And I was shocked that all of my children really like to sing the gospel tunes. Right. Um, yeah. Um, I'll Fly Away, um, In the Garden, uh, At the Cross, you know, the, these gospel classics. And they really enjoyed it. A part of it is, you know, they've been indoctrinated. Um, it's, you know, kind of the stuff they've been growing up listening to. But I think it also says that these gospel songs, and I'm sure there are millions of others that just didn't make it. These ones are something about them. Right. Right. I mean, uh, yeah, there's a combination of the context that, that you bring in terms of how you've experienced a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, it makes yeah. me wonder. It's like if you go to church one Sunday and you get up there and you start your sermon like without singing the words, but you just start humming the melody to like um, Amazing Grace. Right. For example. Right that's going to immediately bring an emotional response out in people. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder about things like what would it be like for someone that had never heard that song? Right. Would it still would the melody itself be enough to still convey something? Right. You know, that song definitely, you know, I think, um, once you add the lyrics, especially, yeah, it is it's a well-written song immediately affecting yeah right um but it's it's all that thing it's like how much of it is the context that you've experienced something in and so right. it brings you you know um right because i think of how, like his eyes on the sparrow that's not a great song right you know it's hard to sing the words aren't great um but because of the context people love it but take right. that out of like and just listen to it. I, you know, it's like, yeah, this one. So maybe in fifty, you know, hundred years, that song won't be around anymore. You know, but that's to right. contrast it, from Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace is just it, that's a winner, right? And it, you know, it, it's um to me the the art that does that are the things that connect with sort of basic parts of what it means to be human. Hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's why, um, you know, for me, there's much of like the old Testament that's much less interesting or, um, or emotional. There's certainly some, you know, there are certainly in there, but it's like, there's, there's lots of it that that's because it's more of the time. Right. Um, you know, but when you get into the parts that are, I guess, that really do reach across time and speak to these kind of basic human truths, right? And 
right. what we all kind of wonder about and long for and there's and a reason why for. The people know the 23rd psalm but not necessarily the second psalm the 23rd right. is the lord is my shepherd i shall not want you're like oh that's right. really good the second psalm i couldn't tell you right now <laughs> <laughs> I <couldn't. Right>. um, <laughs> you know and, it, and it, it it's always interesting to me um you know in theology you have this Let me see where where am I going with this, right? Yeah. So it's like you know we no no we've talked about sort of more modern music, right. classical music, and then you get into things like written word and sort of the the Bible and right. To me, it's interesting because, um, when you listen to something that you say is a great album, mm-hmm. it's about that specific work, right? Right. When you and I listen to this album, we're hearing the same thing. Yeah. You were hearing that performance from that time. Right. And yes, it's like different people can sing those songs and bring things to them. When you get into older classical music, those have a different thing. Like they still have those basic truths, but there's so much interpretation. Yeah. And that varies across performances. And how does this person like find something in it? Right. Then when you get into the Bible, there's interpretation. But now there's also translation, right? So it's yeah. like it's it's. I don't even know like what exactly my point is, but there's something to me really interesting about these. Not not even that not even that that some of this endures through translation and interpretation, right. but makes me question how much of the art is in the translation. Well, I would say um, if you could have people from different contexts and different cultures in different countries read the same text and still say like the 23rd Psalm is an important psalm and if people from Russia say have that same yeah. kind of feel now there's going to be variances that says there's something about that psalm that becomes a classic now, right so there's a theologian David Tracy he talks about classics and he says classics are those things that connect us with a deeper truth with that thing that we can't really talk about or see, you know. So symbols are classics, like the cross is a classic, connecting us with the truth of resurrection. The twenty-third Psalm is a classic. Moon Day, uh, or um, the Moon Day, Moon Dance is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really into this album, really. Um, <laughs> that we could say that's a classic that's connecting us with an experience of comfort, with an experience of being able to breathe, um, to sigh, you know, and maybe, but not a lament. And, right. and and so and, and and it may be that this is something that um, we need to be thinking about so much because artwork. When I think of art, I go right for the pathos, right? I've got a copy of Munch's "The Scream" on my mm-hmm. wall over there in my office. I listen to the dark stuff. I'm like, yeah, artwork should art should just inspire us, but push us and be difficult. And and Moon Dance is not that, right? Moon Dance is more of like take a second, just sit down, have some coffee, do the crossword. Um, right. But at the same time, there are moments and, you know, I, I am definitely kind of a sap when it comes to things. But especially, you know, probably the second best known song behind Moon Dance is Crazy Love, sort of mm. the the ballad. I can hear her and to me, that's like a it's a perfect love song. It, it um, between the lyrics and how he performs it, mm. like you immediately know exactly how he's feeling yeah. like if you've ever felt those things you connect with it instantly 
Um, but it's so controlled, though. It's not. It's not overly gushy. Right. 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 You know, um, it, it's not demonstrative in its emotion. It's like it's you, know, a, you know what this is. This is a good New Englanders album. Yeah. <laughs> you know, let's, um, let's express our feelings and do it well and do it appropriately and do it in a way that you get what I'm saying. But I'm not going to start gushing. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that like that. I, I'm, 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 I'm having. No, fun. I know what you mean. I'm um, having fun. Isn't this fun? <laughs> <laughs> but that one is one where sort of the the combination of the lyrics and the way he delivers it and the melody. Yeah. You know, and that you know the lyrics I think are good in that one. It's like you know I can hear your heart beating from a thousand miles. Mm. And the heavens open whenever you smile, something like that. Wow, that was pretty um, good, though. That was, he did that without um, looking. That was good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's like, oh, that poetic language um, yeah. really, really works. And like you said, it's like that, to me, that would endure across translation. Kind of. Yeah, that's, um, that idea, that sentiment. So, for people that are thinking that are fretting over worship, um, one of the lessons I take out of this, and it's just I, I can't do a one-to-one correlation; it's too big. Um, but to to say, give people comfort. Don't try to be bigger than you are. Um, just try to do things well. You know, try to do things appropriately. Um, but yeah, really be be deliberate, but do it well. Don't think like I've got to shock them or I've got to win them like just be yourself but not sloppy yeah and you know the other the other thing that it makes me think of is um it doesn't it's deliberate Mm -hmm. it's crafted but it also feels honest yeah and not um not manipulative yeah so it's like you know that experience when you're you're watching a drama on tv and the oboe starts playing it's always the oboe or the song, the music comes in and yep. starts to swell, and and it's that cue of like, oh, you're supposed to feel this way now. Yeah. Um, and it works. Yeah. You know, it definitely like. Which um, is which is why The Wire is still one of the best shows ever on television. Well, yeah, because they I also never had for one yeah. of the many reasons. <laughs> um, because they didn't have any music. Just wanted, well, I wanted to finish yeah. that thought for those who didn't know. If you, again, I forget what song is. I think at the very end there is a montage. Yes, um, there is. I forget yeah. what song it is. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't um, matter. But and if you haven't seen The Wire, please stop listening to this podcast. <laughs> no, no, no. Keep listening, um, but watch it. But real. watch it while listening. Um, uh, yeah, but you know, it's like the same thing when you're talking about worship. It's like, you know, I think um, you and I have both had the experience um, mm. in certain aspects of like, you know, when you're putting together. A worship experience there are things there are things you can pull out yeah and you're like oh i really want to hit him in the gut now right, uh, right and i guess sometimes that appropriate that's appropriate but but to me that's the other piece of the lesson from this is like none of this ever feels like that there's no gut me. punches right and that none of that like oh we picked this song to specifically make you cry now right rather um, it's you know we pick the song because it's serving the overall it's connecting with the deeper human experience that we want right to connect so again with. like be careful when you pick amazing grace because yeah if you overdo it people will right. people start saying all right here we go again amazing grace so right. all right i think we're at i think that's a good place 
Um, yeah. I want to encourage people, go ahead and listen to Moondance. Um, you can find it at your iStores or <laughs> you can go to your local record dealer um, and and excite them by saying you'd like to purchase a copy of Moondance by Mr. Morrison, Van. Um, please re- say it that way. <laughs> um, nothing nothing excites record dealers like that i don't even know if there's are they record dealers it's like, uh, it's a drug. <laughs> we do still have at least one newberry comics here so yeah we have newberry comics and um i there are there's other independent record stores there's at least one in providence probably two or three uh, but go check it out listen to it and if you have astro weeks delete it <laughs> no, it's 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 worth a listen. I'm gonna I'm gonna the, have to I'm gonna give to it a me, listen. The contrast is amazing. Okay, I will give Astral Weeks a listen. Um, go if if you know of Andrew, are you playing with anyone right now, or you're are you on a kind of hiatus? Yeah, I'm on. Uh, uh, no live music these days. Andrew is not doing any live performances. So if you ever want to hear him play, you need to find out where he lives, <laughs> find out when he practices, and somehow. Just hang out in the driveway. Yeah, and just, he. Yeah. They they love that. They yeah. love it when strangers <laughs> hang out in their driveway. So I'm not gonna, you know. So that's what you need to do. Um, but go to andrewmalone.com where you can find all the ukulele breakbeats, which are a lot of fun. There are over 40 of them. Oh, thanks. Over 40 of them. And uh, can I ask you to repost the um, the Christmas song we did? Uh, it's up. I'll 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 put a link to it. I'll okay. send you a link. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew and I'll I recorded. Where I put it. Oh, oh, oh we, we we recorded "Oh Christmas Tree." I um, really like it. It was a moment of brilliance. So I'll and uh, <laughs> I'll post that on the show notes <laughs> so people can listen to it. <laughs> um, Andrew, thanks a lot for doing this episode. Oh yeah, it's a pleasure. I thought after that conversation we should hear just a little bit more on some Van Morrison. Um, remember if we listen to the title track, Moondance, uh, it's, it's so ingrained into my conscience that I just hear it and I just start wanting to sing that it's magic. Um, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for, for listening. Let me know what you thought about this episode, please. Uh, I've never had so many musical excerpts uh, peppered throughout. The last time I did something similar was uh, with, with Del Cates, the composer. So please let me know how it helped or maybe didn't help or anything like that. You can send. You can let me know by sending me a comment to 12enough at gmail.com. Uh, just any other thoughts and ideas you might have about this episode or any other episode, you can go and find the show notes for this episode at 12enough.com. We'll have the links to Andrew's website, to that video, um, The Last, Last Waltz. Um, it is up on YouTube, so I've linked it, and it's really fun. It's really, it is really a nice, uh, great video. Uh, so go to 12enough.com to find the show notes to this show and all, all the uh, past shows and future shows all the shows uh, we have all the shows and uh, go to Facebook and like the show or yeah follow me on Facebook and I tend to put stuff that's going on without with the show and uh, and then please also go to iTunes and rate the show say put some comments on that really does help I really do need that help and as I've been saying for this whole uh, couple last couple of episodes if you, if you want to help out with the 12 enough show in any way uh, production you'd like to be a guest 
you'd like to be uh, you'd like to do your own show try an episode out um, let me know talk to me I could use some help this isn't something someone should be able to, should be doing on their own well I don't know let me know I could use some help and again send that to 12 enough at gmail.com music is by Andrew Malone except for the bump music the what you into that's by Charlie Eastman thank you very much Charlie for, for doing that it's great music uh, and again check out his stuff at andrewmalone.com and as always thank you for listening Enough is a podcast about Christian faith and culture in the modern age. The thoughts, ideas, opinions, um, musical excerpts, musical references, musical allusions, musical dispersions, or anything else of that matter do not reflect the hosts, um, friends, family, churches, places of employment, groups they used to play with, instruments that they align themselves with, or anything else of that nature. These are their ideas. This is their podcast.